0: very happy to have each and every one of you here with us today, and welcome to those who are watching online today as well. All right, I'd like to invite everybody to stand, we'll have a word of prayer, and then to get started with worship. Mm-hmm. Lord, we thank you for bringing us all together here today safely. I want to thank you for everything you have done in our lives throughout the week, and everything we know you'll continue to do. I wish to ask that you come be in our midst today to worship you. In your name we pray, Amen. To yours I feel safe, I feel Jesus in this place, I feel the All right, everybody take a second and turn around and say hello to somebody. you're here if you're new here go ahead and pick up one of these forms from the seat back in front of you fill it out and drop it in the offering bag as it goes through new vine youth returns right after church we will have lunch and hang out and have some fun students grade 6 through twelfth are welcome
1: Pig Roast is September 17th at 11 a.m. Bring a covered dish and a dessert. Invite a friend to come. We will provide the pig. See you there.
0: Thanks for watching the announcements. If you need any more information, go to our website or pick up a bulletin. Thanks for being here and enjoy the service.
2: Okay. Good morning, kids. Good morning. Wake up. How's everyone? Good? Fall is coming right around the corner. Uh, you saw the things online. Next week's the pig roast. So bring uh, side dishes. We have the the pig's already been, gave his life for us, right? And then uh, we'll furnish the drinks and that and plates and all that stuff. So bring a covered dish and dessert and bring a friend with you. And we will have people, this will be true, they will be sitting out there waiting to eat. And we'll skip this part. So the, the goal is to try to con them to come to church. And then, you know, seriously, that's the deal. And uh, But we just have a good time together. So that's next Sunday. Men's breakfast next Saturday morning. And at 6 o'clock, we need people to come saturday night to help us set set up the tables and stuff okay and uh last week we baptized 12 people it, it was crazy in the in the creek so i don't know if i'm done with the creek yet so because last year we went way into october so we'll see how the water water goes so um uh prayer request pray for my uncle and aunt or not my uncle anymore but anyway um, i have been asking you to pray for my uncle my uncle passed away this week and so uh he was doing good. Uh, he had cancer and stuff, and, and I helped take care of him. They were my mom's brother. So this this year, my uncle in California died, and my mom died in July, and now this uncle dies. So it's the year of death for, for us. And uh, But anyway, um, pray for him. Um, he was doing good the other day, and uh, I asked him if he wanted to be buried with his parents in, up near Dark County. He was like in Potsdam Cemetery, someplace up there, and, and uh, he goes, Nope. My aunt wants to be buried in Kentucky. So Liz and I drove to Kentucky Tuesday and bought a grave lot. So then I got a good hamburger. There's a place called the Wigwam. Dixie knows about it. And then the Burger Barn across in West Irvin. Irvin's as big as this room. But there's Irvin, there's West Irvin, there's South Irvin. Whatever, no North or East Irvin. But anyway, Burger Barn was sold to somebody else, so it's not as good, I was told. But Wigwam was good. And Liz loves the Wigwam because they have homemade pies. So we got two pieces of homemade pie. So we got a grave lot and some pie and hamburger. That's a good day, right? So anyway, I came back to talked to my uncle and told him I did that. And then uh, he was doing really well Wednesday and then he died. So pray for my aunt. Uh, shes They've been married for a long, long time and, and they're always been together. So just pray for her. Pray for us. i gonna help. I got to help her do more stuff now. So anyway, so let's say a prayer and we'll take up the offering. So Lord, just thank you that we can give to you. Pray for my Aunt Martha, Lord, that you'd be with her. Thank you that my uncle's with you, that he's good. And so, God, I pray that you would uh, just be with them. But bless the gifts today, Lord, as we give to you, because you gave it all for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: we still sin. Christ died.
1: How we doing? So it's that time of year. The church divides. We have, we have Bengals fans. Anybody Bengals fans? Yeah, okay. Browns fans. And then what else we got out there? Ravens? Mi- yeah, Michigan as well, gosh. Vikings, Buckeyes. It's that time of year, so we'll try to manage to make it through without a church split, but we don't know. <laughs> you guys doing all right? All right, so we're going to be in the, the uh, third week of a series called Better Together. And today we're going to look at a, a passage from uh, the Gospel of Mark, and it's probably a familiar story, and uh, we'll see how it applies to our lives. So, I always like to start off by just taking a few moments to be still and to be quiet and to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. This has been a personal practice of mine for a long time. And I just felt like something that perhaps we should all share together. I don't know, but you you guys come in here distracted sometimes. You got stuff going on in your lives. You have stresses, relational stress. Work stress, stress stress, maybe you watch the news too much. Right? So for me it's just it's a practice of just reconnecting, right? That's a big drink carrier over there. <laughs> Sometimes our drink carriers stress us out, you know. Um, and to be able to reconnect, learning how to, to pause and open our hearts to God and reconnect to God is terribly important in the world that we live in because we live in a world of distractions, and it's just getting worse. And so this is something that I've been doing for a long time and, and wanted to encourage you guys in. So let's take a few moments simply to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, to God, and, and to just rest in his presence here right now. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you just speak to our hearts here in this moment. So Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can gather to rest in you. Open our hearts, Lord, to your presence all the time. Open our eyes to your glory and the way that you move in and amongst us. Father, we have all of these things that we carry into this room, all of our, our pain and heartbrokenness, our frustrations our worries, our circumstances, relational strife, work, work problems. So we just lay that before you. We lay it before you and just ask for your grace in return. And so we ask that you just be with us here now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just guide us here, open our hearts to you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen when i was a little kid we had um storybooks we had they were kind of bible picture storybooks and mom and dad would read us these stories every night before we would go to bed so these stories are they're in here like you know what i mean they're they're in here and uh a particular story in the, in the gospel of Mark, Jesus has made his way to Capernaum, which was a town on the, the Sea of Galilee, and it was his home base, and Peter lived there. And uh, he's gathered uh, probably at Peter's house, and he's teaching. And at this point, he's starting to, to gain a reputation. People are coming to listen to him. He's, he's this miracle worker, and... Um, And so Jesus is gathered in this house and he's teaching and it's crowded and there's all these people listening and there are these guys that live in this town and they have a friend who's paralyzed and they've heard the stories. They're like, this Jesus heals people. What if he could heal our friend? And so they gather up their friend and they carry him on a, a, I don't even know, like on a mat to this house and they get there and there are so crowded that they can't even get in. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? And so I don't know how it happened, but I, I imagine that one was like, well, I got a ladder back in my house. Let's go, get a la- Let's go get a ladder. So they go back and, I don't know, I'm making this part up. But they go back and they figure out a way to get on the house. They bring ropes, a ladder, who knows? And they get on top of this guy's house. And all of a sudden, they start, they, they start digging in the top of this guy's roof. And can you imagine this? Can you imagine sitting in there, sitting in your house? Listening to you, you invited Jesus over to your house and he's talking and, you know, doing his thing and all of a sudden your roof starts to collapse. Like I would freak out, right? I would freak out. We had these big trees that were over top of our house and I was nervous wrecked that they were going to fall in the house and we hired these people to come cut it up and they were a little, they were a little sketchy. I got to be honest. And, uh, as they would cut, there would be these limbs that would fall on the roof, and they would, it would sound like our house was caving in. And so I was a nervous wreck. I'd have to get up and leave and drive around while they were working. But these guys are sitting in their house, and Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden the roof, be, the roof begins to collapse. And they start digging this hole, and a hole big enough so that they can lower this man down. And so they tie, him on, they tie ropes to his, his bed, and they lower him down. And it says that Jesus sees their faith and he forgives this man of their sins or of his sins. And, of course, there's always religious people hanging out because they're always trying to figure out this Jesus. They don't know whether they can trust him or not. And at this point, he forgives this person's sins. And so they're a little, like, put off by this. Who does he think he is being able to do this, right? Like, you can't forgive sins. That's God's job and God's job alone. And Jesus perceives what they're saying and he says to them, listen, which would be easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or for me to tell this man to get up and walk? But so that you can understand that I have that type of authority, he tells the young man to get up and walk and he gets up and he takes his mat and he goes. And it says that all the people around him, they were amazed by this. And so that was one of the bedtime stories that dad used to tell us, mom used to tell us. And so we're going to look at that. Good? You guys bored yet? Need a commercial or a break? Okay. So let's take a little, a deeper look into this story. It says a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such a large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And so these men carry their friend to Jesus. I grew up a pastor's kid. And when you grow up a pastor's kid, you believe that your parents follow Jesus because that's their job. They get paid to do it. And, And so I was baptized when I was probably about 10 years old. And I always sort of believed. But as I grew older, as I became an adult... I found it very difficult to try to live like Jesus in the real world, right? Mom and dad, that whole grace and love and forgiveness thing, that's nice and it works at church. But have you ever been out in the real world? And my assumption was no, they've never been out in the real world because they're pastors, right? They don't really understand reality. And so as I grew older, I, you know, did my own thing. Like probably most of us, anybody grow up in church and you got to a point where you're like, I'm going to do my own thing, right? And so I began to do my own thing. And I joined the Marine Corps. Um, and I started coaching football. And I really enjoyed that. And I was a terrible student in high school. And I, at this point, had already flunked out of college at least once. But I found something that I loved. And I thought, if I'm going to coach football, then maybe I should be a high school teacher, which was kind of a joke, but I thought, I'll teach gym. I was good at that. It was the only class I ever passed, but really. And so I started coaching football. And obviously, like all of us in life, there were things that were going on that were hard that I didn't have answers for personally, like in my own personal life. And I became friends with a man named Steve Woods, who was the um, physical, uh, physical, te- or physical education teacher at Franklin High School, and he was a football coach. But he was a Christian, and he followed this Jesus. Now, I had never seen anybody follow Jesus like this guy did other than my dad. But he wasn't getting paid to do it. And the way that he related to his family, the way that he related to his wife, his thoughts about how he was raising his children, the way that he dealt with the, the conflicts and things that would go on in his life, he always was thinking about what Jesus would do in those moments. And it had this huge effect on my life. I would, I could easily point to him as one of the reasons why I'm a pastor today, because of the influence that he had, because he was really doing it. And I realized that, wait a minute, maybe is it possible this Jesus thing actually works outside of the church in the real world? Yeah? Here's the thing, often in our journey it is the faith of others that brings us to Jesus. My dad tells a story about a, a man who lived on Penarill Hill where dad grew up, where his mom and dad planted uh, Penarill Baptist Church. Uh, Billy Ray McGuire was his name. And he was real skeptical about them building a church there. And uh, he told dad years later that for 10 years, I watched your father for 10 years. I was waiting for him to slip up so that I could justify myself and justify the reasons why I didn't go to church and follow God. And he says that over that 10 year span of watching my grandfather, live it out day by day, that he became convinced that living this Jesus life was the best way to live. And so, I'm sure you have those types of people in your life. It wasn't like Steve put me on a, on a mat and carried me to Jesus and busted somebody's roof open. But his day-to-day actions... Brought me back. Does that make sense? And and so there's... I I imagine that you have people in your life that has influenced you. Their faithfulness, their trust, the way that they love, somehow it affected you and it influenced you and it carried you in some sort of way to Jesus. But here's the other thing. Not, Not only do we have those people who influence us, but guess what we also have? We have... The people in our lives that we are called to influence. And so this, this story to me is terribly interesting because of these, these, these men who carry their friend to Jesus. Who are those people that have been in our life who have carried us to Jesus? And who are the people in our life today that somehow through the way that we live and act and move in this world, we're influencing them to follow Jesus? And so one of the things that we can learn from the story at the very beginning is that the way that we live is important. The way that we interact with people around us is important. The way that we approach the circumstances, we can approach circumstances with selfishness and fear, or we can step into these things with faith and hope and love. And the things that we do matter because the things that we do influence the people around us. Yeah? You guys all Guys right? They're like, Ugh. we won't get to the Bengals game. And so that's one thought right there. Let's continue on the story. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered to the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are, and what's it say there? Forgiven. Now this is terribly interesting. This messes up a ton of uh, theology for people. Often we think to ourselves that we, had, we need to make a personal relationship or make a personal choice. But what's interesting about this story here is that it was the faith of the others that created the environment where God could, for, where Jesus could forgive this man. And so once again, it, it points to how important it is for us to live. One of the biggest Roadblocks, hiccups that we find in our faith is believing that if we follow God, everything's going to be all right. These men have the faith to go and to carry their friend to Jesus, but when they get there, there's an obstacle in the way. There's this huge crowd and there's this, there's no way that they can get to them. And so oftentimes what can happen is life will always present obstacles and doubts that challenge our faith. I remember when I became a young pastor and we were doing something with, I was helping with the youth group and I decided for some crazy reason that we would work through the book of Job with the youth group. Anybody ever read the book of Job, by the way? So I remember reading this and being like, what? Right? Ever read the Bible and then be like, what? So sometimes we want to get serious about our faith and we start reading the Bible and then we're like, wait a minute, I don't know about this. This is kind of crazy. The reality is, is that when we learn to step and follow God and try to trust God with things, there's always going to be obstacles. There's going to be things to get in the way. And whether it be taking it seriously or maybe you want to have a prayer time, right? Anybody try to do prayer time? I try to do prayer times at my house, but I got four cats. That's a whole other issue. I, I don't even like cats, but we that's another story. Sometimes I'll try to do my devotional time or prayer. or just find some quiet and my cats decide it's time for WrestleMania. And they'll just run around and just do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And you think, maybe this isn't real. Maybe I shouldn't be trying to do this because there are all these things in the way. And sometimes it's as simple as cats. And sometimes it's tragedies. Sometimes we try to trust God and follow God in this world and our life falls apart. What's interesting about this, these Gospels, these stories, is how relatable they are. You guys remember what happened to Jesus after he was baptized? He was led out into the wilderness to be tempted. I, I imagine that there were moments out there he was like, eh, I don't know about all this, this is kind of nuts, right? And oftentimes, what we'll, as we try to say yes to God, it feels as if our life is falling apart. Or it feels like we just bump into something and there's no way to get around it. And yet the example of these people in this story is that faith somehow finds a way. And they figure it out. And they go back and they get the ladder and they they dig out the roof and they figure out a way to get to Jesus. Jesus. When we find ourselves in these situations, as we try to say yes to God and as we try to step into the things that he has, 100% there are going to be things to get in the way. That comes with it. That's why we call it faith. Because we have to, we have to say yes even when it feels like there aren't answers. Does that make sense? Yeah? And so you have these men, they bring their friend to Jesus, and there's these obstacles, and they figure it out, and they lower him. Into the room. And the story continues. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. But there are others that are there. It says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? Religious people are such a drag, aren't they? Right? Like, this kid, this is the coolest thing they've probably ever seen in their life. And yet, there's the skeptics. There's the doubters. There's the ones like, no, nah, this this isn't right. Last night, we had, um, we had the Franklin High School Hall of Fame ceremony here. And there was a, a friend of mine who was being inducted, and his family was here. And I, I don't know if it's his grandmother or his aunt or whoever, but she was there sitting at their table, and her grandkids were here. And she apparently had made these chocolate-covered pretzels that she was going to give to them, like, afterwards or something like that. But they wanted them now. So she's making her way out to her car, and she was telling us how her grandkids wanted the pretzels. And she used to come to this church a a while ago, and she's a sweet lady. And she, she stops to tell us about the pretzels. She comes back in, and she gives me and Dad a pretzel. Did you eat yours? It tasted like a Twix bar. It was really good. You gave it to mom? Missing out, just saying. So she gives us these pretzels and, and they're, they were amazing. And she, and she starts to kind of like explain herself and apologize why she hasn't been here. And the reason she hasn't been here is because she is somehow connected with this young family who's starting a church in Middletown and she she said it was really, really small, but she loves what they're doing, and she just feels like she's a part of it. And she's like the grandma of the church, and she just loves to be there to support and and those types of things. She says, "But there's only one problem." I'm like, well, "What's that?" She goes, "They're Pentecostal." <laughs> she goes, "I grew up a Baptist. Your your pap papal, pa he." She said, she, "He saved me." And I was like, "I was thinking to myself. He didn't save you. He baptized you." But that's a whole other thing. She goes, so I grew up in a Baptist church. And, you know, in a Baptist church, you know, we're pretty pretty calm. And, you know, she goes, these Pentecostal services, they're wild. (laughs) See, here's the thing. One of the temptations that we all face is believing that we can choose who is worthy of God's forgiveness and who is not. So let me get back to the lady. I imagine... That growing up in a Baptist church, she was taught that her way was the right way. And everybody else, eh? we don't know what's going to happen to them. Right? Ever grow up in this? Right? I mean, and so, you know, if you're, if you're there, you have people that are Catholic, right? And so I, I imagine that anybody grew up Catholic. I imagine that the Catholic folks are like, ah, them them Protestants. We don't know about them. Like, who knows, they're just off-gone rogue, doing their own thing, thinking they can interpret the Bible. They're out of their minds. And so you have that. You have Baptist folks who are probably like, yeah, them Catholics and the Pope, that guy might be the Antichrist, so we need to stay away from them. And then you obviously, and they're probably thinking, and them Pentecostals, they're out of their mind. And then, of course, you have the Pentecostals, who are like, you know what, God speaks to us. Who knows what's going on with those folks, right? And we can become very suspicious of one another. And we can begin to believe that our way is the way. Does that make sense? And so this is something that can creep in. Right? This is something that can creep in. We used to take our youth group to a place called Big Creek. Which is, which is in Eastern Kentucky. And, and we loved going to that camp because the stuff that they did in the community was amazing. But there was only one problem. The way that they presented the good news didn't come off as very good. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, hey, you better believe or guess what God's going to do to you kind of a thing. And so we take our youth group there and our kids grow up in this church. And they were just like, what? They're a little freaked out by the way that they would preach. And I've come to terms with it. At the time, I was like, Egh. um." yeah. And obviously I have my uh opinion, and it's different in the way that they interpret it but i've I've come to this point in my life where I realize that God's going to work where he's going to work, and who am I to judge the way another person does it and in Eastern Kentucky, maybe that's the what they need to hear, maybe not the same as here, but maybe that's maybe God somehow through that. Fire and brimstone message somehow works his grace through it. Does that make sense? And so we have to be very careful when it comes to our faith is that we don't fall into that belief that our way is the way, right? It's just, we're just part of the body. We're just part of the body. And we're all trying to figure out what it looks like to live this Jesus way in the world that we're in, Yeah. And so we have to be aware of of those types of things, those temptations. Which then leads to the next part of the story. It says that immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man that your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, and he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. And so you have these guys, and they hear about this Jesus, and they know the things that he can do. And so they take their friend and they go to the house and there's these obstacles in the way. And yet through their faith, they figure out a way to get around it. And they dig out the roof and they lower him into the room and Jesus heals him. And there are those there who doubt it all. And yet this man walks away with a new lease on life. He walks away with this new chance. He walks away receiving this grace. And not only is this grace a gift to him, but a, it's a, this grace is a gift to everyone there who witnessed it. It says that they were amazed by this. See, in our life, this is, it mirrors this. It's the same. We have problems. You guys have problems? I have problems. And sometimes I can take care of my own problems, and sometimes I need people to carry me to Jesus but I've also noticed in my life that that faith's not easy and that life will throw you curveballs and you're going to have problems. There are going to be obstacles in the way and and things that you wanted to happen aren't going to happen and sometimes life can become very tragic. And yet God calls us to work out our faith, to trust, to find solutions, to maybe take take a ladder and climb on top of the roof. We have those moments where we doubt. We have those moments where we point the finger and think, well, they don't think like us, and so they must be wrong. Or the way that they act, well, this whole thing must be a, a lie. And yet, in this moment, because of their faith, what is received is grace. Because here's the thing, faith always leads to Grace. When I said this in the first service, there was a little girl over here, her name is Grace, and so when I said this, she was like, yes. <laughs> but be encouraged. Cause faith leads to grace. All of the things that are going on in your life, all of the ways that it, it messes, things can get messed up. In all those moments where we simply want to throw in the towel, we have to remember that faith leads To grace. And and sometimes we, we get up on our, we get off our mats and we take off running for the first time and sometimes it doesn't happen like that. But regardless of the way that God answers our prayers, we can trust that this faith leads to grace. Which leads me to one last thought. This miracle was only made possible because the friends understood that we are better together there was no way for that young man to make it to Jesus he had to rely on his community and to believe that we can make it alone is a lie we have to trust that we have people in our lives who will carry us when we can't carry ourselves. And we also have to be those people that are willing to carry those who can't carry themselves. And as we move and navigate the obstacles, as we dig out the roof, as we offer ourselves, as we open ourselves to the presence of God, we trust and we can know that that faith will somehow lead to a grace that we can receive. Good? Guess done? I'm done. we got a Bengals game to watch. So two questions. What's God saying to you? What are the obstacles in the way? What are perhaps the people in your life that you need to carry to Jesus? Who maybe you need simply right now to be carried yourself? What is the thing that God's saying to you? And what's one thing that you can do about it this week? And so we're going to take a few moments simply to reflect on this. And then we're going to share communion together. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you come, that you speak to our hearts in these next few moments. Alright, amen. If you have one of these, grab it and take it out. Every week we take part in this this ritual, this reminder that we are welcomed to the Lord's table. We are welcomed to Jesus' table. And our and our custom here. We practice what's called an open table, meaning that if you're willing to take part, then you're welcome to take part. Our observation of of the Lord's Last Supper is that he had one person there who betrayed him, and yet he was welcome. He had another one there who denied him, and and yet he was welcome. And, And all the other knuckleheads, they all deserted him, and yet they were welcome. And so our custom here is that if you're willing to take part, then you're welcome to take part. And every week we also pray this prayer as a way of centering our hearts and our minds. It's sort of like a, it's like a map that helps us navigate the complexity of our lives. And so pray this with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper he took a cup of wine. He said, This is the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, Do this in remembrance of me. Later reflecting on this, the Apostle Paul said that every time that you and I, we gather and we take this bread and we drink from this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns, which means... We remember what Jesus did, that he was broken and poured out for the sake of the world. And that we're reminded that as the body of Christ, we are called every day to take part, to be broken and poured out for the people in our lives. And and so take the bread and look to the person next to you and say, the body of Christ is broken for you. And now the cup, the blood of Christ that's shed for you. Good? I had somebody ask me, why do we say that to each other every week? And here's why, if you don't know. If you're in a real church with real priests, you would come up and receive communion, and they would say that to you as you received it. Our belief is that it's this priesthood of all believers. And so somehow, every week, you're mediating between one another. Because a priest, a priest does, all, the, all a priest does in life is they go to God on behalf of people and go to people on behalf of God. And that is what we're all called to do. We're all priests. Yeah? All right. Well, stand, grab hands, person next to you. If you want to help out, Uh setting up for the pig roast next week. We're meeting on Saturday night at six PM to put up tables and chairs. And so if you'd like to spend a your Saturday night with us doing that, you can if you like. And if not, I get it. I wouldn't want to either. And then uh doing the pig roast next week, so bring your friends and uh yeah. So grab hands, you did already. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you for these men who had the faith to carry their friend to Jesus. We thank you for the people in our lives who have carried us to Jesus. May we live the types of lives that somehow, some way, through the things that we do, we're carrying others to you as well. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just be with us as weak as we go. We ask that you just make a way through the obstacles that you guide us, that you keep us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. See you guys.